What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Old English D, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm one of your hosts, as always, Casey, joined by Josh. How are you doing this week, buddy? Doing pretty good. Fall has arrived. It is nice and cool out, finally. And so has the Tigers spoiler season. Has <laughs> Randomly, we're just starting to win baseball games. It's kind of fun. I feel like this is the baseball team we were expecting to see. but I also think they're just trying to impress Scott Harris. <laughs> like, I mean, like any five and one since he was announced. That sounds exactly right, actually. Yeah, because he was announced. I'm actually looking at the schedule right now. Yes, he was announced right before the Baltimore series uh, that Monday, and we have lost yep, one game since then. And honestly, a lot of the games have been pretty handedly. Only one of them was two of them were close, three to two and five to three. But the other one, four to one. But good week at Tigers baseball. That's what I'm saying. Now, I, I you know. Easier opponents, easier, you know, Baltimore and the White Sox are not good because they're just in shambles without their, no, no, let's their, give, their guy. Let's but. give, let's give Baltimore some credit. They're still four games out of a playoff spot. They're still fighting. They're they currently... didn't look good though, dude. They did not look good. No, I mean, we came one game. <laughs> like, I know, I know the record this year. Yeah. I know the record. I know the record says otherwise, but like, it makes me sad to know that they're, they're a, a potentially a playoff team and we kind of demolish them all year yeah i don't know what i don't know what all that's that's about but to almost win a season series against a team that's fighting for a wild card spot makes me kind of kind of feel good a little bit like one of the silver linings of this year oh 100 and then also to play the white Sox as well as we have been recently and just i it's it's very well reported on this podcast how much we loathe the White Sox and everything that they stand for and everything that they do. And there's no better feeling than beating up on them. And to do it against their ace, Dylan Cease, solid comeback win. Didn't look like we were going to do anything in that game. You go from having bases loaded, no outs, to scoring zero runs in that in that inning. They scored zero runs, Josh, and they still won the game. How often does that happen? I mean, after that inning, I texted you and I was like, well, there's a loss. That's yeah, the big L, complete L. Like you only get so many chances in a baseball team or in a baseball game. And they blew one of the best chances forever. But uh, our Lord and Savior, Riley Green, uh, saved the game for us. But all on, I might add, Javi's back. Javi has had a crazy September. I know you have some of the numbers. I know you're probably going to rattle them off in a sec- second. But credit where credit is due. This dude, now, again, you're going to rattle off the numbers. When he, when I was, like, following him closely, closely, he was down in the 220s. Mm-hmm. He's up in the 240s now, right? Yeah, 241. The guy has turned around the year. I'm I'm here to say it. This September, I know it's one month. I know it's like whatever. Contract is what it is. Opt-outs are what they are. Whatever. Big numbers. I'm here for the hobby show. And I think at the beginning of the year, we were saying like 250 and obviously 20 plus home runs. We want more home runs. We want more power. But just watching this guy abuse the Chicago White Sox over the weekend, there's nothing better. There's nothing better. Watching him take 30 seconds and airplane <laughs> around the bases. Like what? We haven't had that in Detroit in, I don't know. I honestly, like I, I haven't seen a Detroit player really like that besides like maybe Badu, but Badu still had like his hesitancy and he still was like a young rookie. He didn't want to overshow, you know, he's, he had, he had swagger, you know what I mean? But it wasn't like, Oh, Oh, this is crazy. But well, what does Javi's September look like? Uh, so to give some context, the Tigers are nine and twelve in September. Um, in seventy-nine at bats for Javi, he has twenty-eight hits. He's a batting average of three fifty-four, on um, base percentage of three seventy-eight, uh, on base or OP, OPS of nine nine seventy-three. He has four home runs, two triples, three doubles. Um, strikeouts always going to be the thing with Javi. Always going to be a thing. He had three walks, twenty three strikeouts, but just to, for a guy to hit three fifty four, that's a heck of a month. And clearly, it's it's affecting this team in a very positive way. 
100%. And then, I mean, you said it, right? It's kind of mixed up in all those numbers. I mean, like, he, his OBP is really good too, right? He's already batting up in the 300s. What was his OBP again? Uh, 14 points higher than his batting average. Okay, but okay, well, that's that's not the greatest. But then his OPS, <laughs> his OPS is up in the 900s, right? His, sl- and- his sl- he's He's pushing 600 slugging for the month. And 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 he's doing it again with I, I I hesitate to use the word swagger because it just has kind of a negative connotation. But like it, he is to doing anybody it that's not like the Detroit baller. Tigers. It is a negative connotation, but that's because they're on the wrong end of it. <laughs> just, he loves getting booed, too. <laughs> it's like it fuels him. It's like, dude, this is awesome. Um, With. With Javi, though, it, you mentioned it exactly. It, the rest of the players seem to be thriving off of it, right? We're like, uh, you know, Riley makes a great catch, obviously, um, on Sunday, and like that's a complete winner. Like that, like that, that's fuel for the rest of the game. Made us stay in the game. We could have gone down three zero. It could have easily been a bigger inning, but no, that's like. And so it's not just Javi that's doing it, but it's good to see someone who is supposed to be the centerpiece of this team, who we thought going into this year was going to be an important part if this team was going to be good. And right, they're not in the position we want them to be in. We're just playing spoiler here in September and ruining the White Sox chances, which is fun in and of itself, but it's not where we want them to be, right? But it's good to finally see someone like Javi who had a terrible year. I mean, like just not a good year at all starting to come out of his shell, starting to really look like he's adaptable because, and, and, you know, willing to learn because uh, we haven't talked too much about it, but have you seen what he's doing with his hands at, with the, at the plate? I haven't. So he, so there's a couple articles about it and, you know, like you read about it, whatever, and, and, you know, for sake of not just rehashing something that's already been said, essentially what he's doing is he's separating his hands and it's, it's weird. It looks weird. Um, but he's like creating a little bit of space between his, his upper hand and his lower hand. And what it says, he, he says he's feeling his top hand more, which for him feels like he can drive the ball a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I mean, most great players at anything are just feel players. I mean, like I'm a big golfer, right? And, and, and Tiger Woods talks all the time about how he's a feel golfer, best, best golfer ever to play the game. Right. And, and he talks all the time about, it's just the feeling. If I, if I I have this feel, if I feel confident in this shot and I know how to execute it, I know where to miss, I know how to hit the ball or I know what to do with my hands in order to get the ball to where I need it to be in order to do the thing on the green that I want to do. Same kind of thing in baseball, right? I can tell that Javi is definitely just a field player and you would never teach someone to separate their hands at the plate like that. It looks silly and he's just doing it just enough where it's like, it just creates a little bit different feeling for him. And I think it's made all the difference for him. And then obviously, right. You start having some success. You gain some confidence. You start to see, some results and you, you just feel better overall. Um, what I really like is this couple triples, a few doubles in there. How many, how many RBIs does he have again? Up here, uh, 14 RBIs, 14 RBIs. And again, not, not that with only four home runs. So not, it's not like a, it's not like a Justin Upton, whatever month that was when he went off May or June or whatever that was, where he had like 11 home runs when he was with us. It's nothing like that. Right. But the average is good. The plate approach is good. And the rest of the team is fueling off of it. Anything you want to add? No. I mean, and we've talked about it with Badu, with Javi, with, uh, with Riley. It's this team is all about, it feels like all about the energy. When one guy can do something like that, like Badu can, when he, you know, turns a double into a triple or, you know, steals a bag. It just creates such a dynamic feeling within, within the lineup and then within the, just the whole team. It just, it feels like two different baseball teams. So at this point, we know what we have in our, in our tigers here. And it's, it's nice to see some flashes of, of what it can be. And what we're thinking this is this last few days is definitely trying to trying to impress and to maybe keep a spot for for next year from a lot of these guys right i it, it's got to put some kind of fuel in the fire right i mean it, it whatever was cultivating 
in that clubhouse or whatever, it, it's just got to light a fire under them because you can see it. You know what I mean? Like, like someone like even like Candy, who, uh, you know, and we may talk about it either this week or next week or whenever we kind of decide to do um, essentially like an overall grade of the year for individual players. Um, Candy has had a bad year, but he's he is putting a lot of good swings on the ball now. And I don't think it's any coincidence that it just so happens to be right around now when, you know, and again, Scott Harris has a big job ahead. One, it's not just the players, right? It's not, it's not just the players that he's tasked with looking to evaluate, but it is something to be said about how you finish off the year. And this team is now starting to perform a little bit better. Again, nine and 12, not the greatest record either, but hovering right around that 500 number. And honestly, if you can do a lot of good right now on the front end, you you don't have to go into spring training and and think like, oh man, like this is my job to lose. Someone like Candy, it's a little bit different story. Who he might not even have a job, you know, like he he might not even have a contract to live on. So he he really doesn't have a choice. And so it's it's kind of do or die for some of these guys, and some of them are are taken uh, and running with it. And you know, we had an opportunity to because last podcast we obviously breaking news Scott Harris was the new president of baseball operations we've now obviously had a week to sit on it but the day after we actually got a peek inside of what the Harris regime is going to look like because the following day it, it was his press conference and it was it was a lengthy press conference what are your, some of your initial thoughts on some of that uh some of what we saw from Scott Harris um we talked about it on the pod last week but He's really young. He's he's very young. Um, but for a guy who is who is that young, he was very well spoken. Uh, it seems to it, it makes sense how uh, AJ was a part of the the team that brought him in. Um, it just seems like they're cut from the same cloth when it comes to you know how they try to handle people and how they how they speak with the press and stuff like that. So it's good to see there. We've we've really enjoyed AJ's. Uh, philosophy so far at least from the outside um but man talk about a polar opposite from alavila just even like energy wise just like you never had a feeling and i'm not this isn't some revisionist history because i made a comment to you i think it was in the erod introduction press conference last winter it seems right. Where seems right. where I said something to you like, Al just never knows quite. It it feels like he doesn't know quite where he's going with any sentence ever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like we know he is a good baseball mind, and we know he's been around the block when it comes to baseball. Obviously, he doesn't have that long of a career in baseball unless he knows a little bit what he's doing. But it did not feel like it when he was talking about anything important at least from my side of things, you get Scott Harris up there and he, within the first, like, I'd say two minutes of him making his statement, he said, my tenure here is going to, has, has three main points and he lists them off and he wasn't reading off a card. He wasn't none of that. He looked directly in the eyes of the people he was looking at. And he's like, this is the deal. This is what's going to happen. This is what's going on. And he, he knew what to do and where to go with everything. And just even just that just philosophy makes me feel a lot better about where this team goes going forward. Yeah. And as unfortunate as it is, and you know, I working in sales as I do right there, there, we talk about it all the time. Like it, it's unfortunately a, not a lot of what you say that we make our judgments based on. It's all about how you carry yourself. Right. And so like you said, right. Alavila, fine baseball guy right and, and, and honestly it's part, part of it is just uh the fact that you know new new blood right we were used to alavila we're used to his cadence we're used to how he does things kind of word salad whatever but he was never gratifying there was nothing ever exciting about what alavila had to say it was cool when he had was given some tools that maybe were gonna make the team better i.e some money to sign some free agents but even then like you're alluding to in like 
the Erod press conference, nothing really seemed to fit. It all just seemed like, oh, this just makes sense. You could tell there were probably other guys that he wanted, but it just didn't work out. His negotiating skills, whatever it is, like nothing really came together in his full vision. And it was integral that this team had a new voice. And Yes, this guy's young, Scott Harris. Yes, he's young. Yes, he, you know, and maybe some people think he's inexperienced. Don't know how you can come up with that opinion based on the resume, but some people have said that. And maybe you think that this is like too much of a jolt in the opposite direction. But like you said, within the first two minutes of this guy talking, and again, it's a lot of it is not based on what you say in those first two minutes. It's how you say it, how you carry yourself. What are you doing to, to really build this up and, and, and buy in to all of Detroit? And like you said, it was three main points. Acquiring, developing, and retaining young talent is number one. You hear those words and write, like Alavila says those, and for some reason you're like, okay, Al, cool. But when Scott Harris said them, and again, it could just because it's just different and new and young and charismatic, you believed him, right? To create a culture of development throughout the entirety of the organization. And what I loved about this and what I loved that he had to say about this is it's not just about the the players who we know we need to develop, the Torkelsons, the Greens, and you know, even to some extent the the Erods, right? The people who are already in our organization, right? We don't not just about them. It's about the people that, and this was completely new idea to me because I, you know, I, I don't look at it from a player perspective all the time. I look at it a lot of times from an organizational perspective, but as a player, don't you want to go somewhere where you can excel at being the best that you can be and maybe even unlock some potential that you didn't even know was there? We're like, let's say, and again, we're just using this because it's extreme and it's it's easy to personify, but an Aaron Judge, right? Why don't we create an organization that's not just looking to acquire Aaron Judge, but actually make Aaron Judge better? And like that, like that vision for an organization, while again, not entirely new and not necessarily the most um, new idea, it's it's gratifying. It's 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 different for us, right? It, it's a different kind of verbiage for the Tigers organization. It gets you excited. It gets you planting some seeds of like, oh wait, like like it's not just about like okay, this guy can help us. This guy can help us. No, it's it's clearly about what can we all do as an organization as a whole to make a team because it's a team effort as much as baseball is a team sport. How can we all come together and bring our talents together and make a team that's going to, it's going to mesh. Right. And that that's what the giants were so good at. I mean, again, we talked about it a little bit last week, their average median age was like 30 something, right. <laughs> They're an old team, right. But right. they meshed, they had, they had charisma. They had, they had, they had heart. And then the third point, control the strike zone on both sides. And Josh, I cannot tell you how excited I was when our new president of baseball operations went on for five to six minutes about the strike zone. He said it is unequivocally the most important part of both sides of the game. When you're hitting, it's important to take pitches that are bad pitches and make contact with good pitches that you should be hitting and is integral on the other side to throw strikes and throw strike one. And much like AJ's mantra, and you can tell they're going to get along the race to two strikes. We haven't heard a big brass part of the Tigers organization talk that granularly about the game in so long. Remind me the last time Al Avila mentioned the strike zone, Josh. It plays into, he didn't to be, to, to answer your question, <laughs> but it plays into this, this feeling of the, that Scott Harris is more than just a GM. He's more than just the, the guy that's going to, you know, get the players and do the deals. And he's going to, he's the president of baseball operations and he's going to 
lead the day-to-day operations of everything to do with this team. You know, he's going to delegate some stuff clearly, but the thing that stuck out to me the biggest about the whole three points that he made was this, like you said, this creating a culture of development because every, every team sits here and it's like, Oh yeah, we've got, you know, this many prospects and we've got these guys down in our top 30 prospects that we're, we're trying to get to the big leagues and trying to develop them. Every team wants to do that. But if you look at teams like the Tampa Bay Rays, you look at teams like the Los Angeles Dodgers, you look at teams like the San Francisco Giants, especially on the pitching side. What do we say every time we see a random pitcher come onto the mound and throw upper 90s with crazy movement out of any one of those teams? You and I send each other text messages of these videos of these pitchers, and we're like, where in the world do these guys come from? And it's because these teams look at any player and say, we can make that player better. We could get these guys, we could get them in here, we see something in them, and we can make them a better player than they were before. Isak. Exactly. And, and he didn't have the best year, right? But, I mean, they unlocked something with his power stroke that, like, we had zero idea how to deal with. Like, yeah. And this is all not to say that we're going to go to a, you know, spend-heavy team like the the Dodgers do, or on the other side of the, of the coin, the you know, penny pinching raise model. It's just good business to try to make the people that come into your sphere better. That's just in general, a life lesson. If you can make the people around you better, why would you not do that? It makes you an attractive commodity, whether or not you have great pieces, you know, in the, in the right now, whether you can make them better in the future is huge. And so that was huge. And then, yeah, dude, the strike zone, what in the world? Where did that come from? Oh I was gosh. so completely floored. Dude, I, I can what I was expecting at all. I can imagine him going to that part. Cause I mean, obviously, right? There was a formal interview process. And, and even Chris talked a little bit about how and kind of like what we talked about. We were like, it seemed like more like Detroit had to sell Scott on on leaving the Giants. And it seems like that was entirely true. Scott had a very cushy job, right? He really didn't have to leave. There was really not a whole lot of incentive to leave besides maybe a better title, maybe a little bit better pay, but you're not going to uproot your entire life. He's from the Bay Area. You're not going to uproot your life and just come across the country to so cold, such cold winters and try and make this team better. Also, oh yeah, we might lose a hundred games this year. You know, like, like that just doesn't sound appealing. Chris Illich, I can imagine when he was actually asking interview questions for Scott Harris and Scott Harris goes into this strike zone spiel goes right over Chris's head, (laughs) just, (laughs) just, just completely like, what's a strike zone? Like, (laughs) like, and like, of course, like Chris is, is knowledgeable. He understands the game of baseball, but this is exactly what we needed was someone who is not afraid to completely admit that, the strike zone is disproportionate. This is literally his goal. Disproportionately the central part of the game. It affects every part of baseball, the strike zone. And it's it, it's a very interesting conversation as far as like, okay, what does that look like, you know, for down the line when, you know, if it, robo-ohms are probably coming, right? You know, whatever that looks like. Okay, down the line where, you know, next year we're going to have pitch clocks and these kind of things like it all is so interesting but he's right like it all it all comes back to that square and what do you do inside that square or outside that square and how do you maximize all of your opportunities therefore he sounded so much like a math guy and like a like a stats guy while also delivering a message that and really it's just the passion it's it's really it's again it's a how he carried himself you could tell he's <laughs> He has cooked up this theory for a long time. He could have wrote a college dissertation on the strike zone and why it's so integral to the game of baseball. And he kind of laid it out in, in his opening presser. And I, I, I texted you and I was like, I, I, he could say 
he could say Detroit's the worst baseball team in all of baseball right <laughs> right after he was done talking about the strike zone. I still would have loved the press conference. Of course, he exactly said the opposite where he had a great quote where he was, I think it was actually off a question, right? Which is even more impressive. It was off a question, right? The The quote that I have in here. I believe so. Yeah, it was completely unprompted and he didn't have this scripted whatsoever, but it was off a question and he, he it was somehow relating to, you know, what are you going to do to make this your team or something to that effect? And he was like, no, 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 no. This isn't Chris's team. This isn't ownership's team. This isn't the board's team. This isn't my team. This isn't AJ's team. This is Detroit's team. And we have, we owe it to Detroit to make this team better. And it's just like, you could just, you could just hear every Detroit Tigers fan just absolutely gawking at this situation. Like, it's just, it's a beautiful symphony of <laughs> really a lot of pain that has come before, right? Cause we, we love our Tigers. We want our Tigers to do better. We, we really wish this season had been gone differently and it has been painful. And now to have someone who can come in from the outside, looking in and, evaluate this organization and, you know, really hopefully put us on a correct course that is both. I, I, I don't want to use the time frame because he didn't want to use the time frame, but I both quick and swift in, in this situation that, that can get us back on course. Um, I did want to mention too. He did say he's going to name a GM. what do you think about that? I mean, we had kind of said that before. We we had kind of said that the the plan was probably going to be to to name a GM. He was very confident, very quick with that uh, with that answer. Somebody asked him, "Are you planning on hiring a GM?" Uh, he didn't. He was very noncommittal on who. Clearly, because there's probably not a lot he hasn't got into. We know he hasn't. He he won't take over the team until after the regular season's over. Um like officially day-to-day stuff. He's just evaluating a bunch of stuff right now when it comes to, you know, staff and personnel, stuff like that. Um, but I mean, we, we had already kind of said it. We assumed that's what he was going to do. And I'm assuming that's going to be a lot of the day-to-day nitty gritty. He's going to be able to delegate a lot of stuff to that person and, you know, grow it into a role where somebody's going to want to be there obviously, but not don't really have a whole lot on that specifically. What if he names AJ the GM? <laughs> I know AJ said he wasn't going to. I know. I get it. So we're thinking coach slash GM. See, I, I like. I, I don't think so. If if he did that, I think AJ would be the the general manager, and he would be like the guy. I don't know. It'd be kind of cool if if AJ is tired of managing. I, I think AJ has some has some interesting quotes about the end of the year, and I think we talked about him last week, talking about how he needs to do better, how he wishes more for this team, but it's it, the buck stops with him. I really think he he definitely wants another chance with managing this team and, and doing it better and, and righting some wrongs that he feels that were wrongs and maybe even players or, or fans don't feel like they were wrong, but he down deep down feels like they were wrongs. But I do wonder if there's some kind of thing in his contract. And I, and we've talked at length about his contract too, but like where it's not necessarily, he's not titled manager in his contract where it's just like, he's part of the tigers organization for six years or whatever the number is. Right. And it kind of gives some room to evolve. I don't think it's out as outlandish as it initially sounds. When I initially thought about it, I was like, yeah, no, that's crazy. But then you kind of sit with it and you're like, I don't think AJ's future is always managing. I don't, I don't see him being at least like, maybe he'll do like the Larusa kind of career where he managed forever. And then he kind of did the front office thing. And then now he's back to managing for some reason, but um, not, not the rest of this year, but yeah, <laughs> probably not again ever, <laughs> but it's just, it's an interesting not. thought. I, you're right. I, there isn't uh, a whole lot of uh, things of note about that. I just, I found it so interesting. Like you said, like how, like he he was non-committal on the on who to name obviously but he was like he didn't skip a beat like he's like i will be naming a gm <laughs> chris was like chris was like uh, i'm gonna leave that up to scott harris and then before before like harris even got the mic it was sad too because my uh scott was having some mic issues like the most important person during the <laughs> press conference to have a mic had to use a handheld mic through because 
sound guys couldn't get it right. So, 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 so on brand for the Tigers. Just he was like, all right, first person gone. The sound people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're gone. They're absolutely gone. Uh, Josh, you have a little activity for us and I I don't know a whole lot about this. So, so please introduce and and let me know what uh, we're going to be doing for the next few minutes. So I went through, I went back and I took a look and I've been thinking about this for probably three, four weeks now. Um, kind of grading each player's year you know obviously there's extenuating circumstances on a bunch of these guys and you know we've had a kind of a up and down year everybody's kind of had an up and down year but kind of an overall look at the tigers opening day roster and where we're at with each of those players some of these guys aren't with the team anymore some of these guys have dealt with injuries and stuff we're going to take all that into account we're going to give them an a to f grade and we're going to kind of go from there and we can we can kind of give them a one to three sentence kind of review as mm-hmm. well. If, if you have some some explanation to your uh, grade, if you'd like, that's kind of what I was expecting. So uh, I'm going to go down the lineup. I'm going to go over the pitching staff from opening day and some bullpen arms and see see where we land. I like it. Uh, hitting leadoff. For the 2022 Detroit Tigers, Robbie Grossman. Now, obviously, <laughs> Robbie Grossman is currently a member of the Atlanta Braves. We traded him just before the trade that deadline to the Braves for a minor league pitcher. Um, kind of seemed had a kind of a tough injury laden start to the year and never really got going for the Tigers. He's picked it up quite a bit in Atlanta. We've gone over that quite extensively. Um, I'll kick us off here real quick. Uh, I was going to give Robbie a kind of a C, a C year coming off. We knew it would probably be a little bit of a down year after last year, you know, kind of regress just a touch was not expecting this level of regression, obviously, but that's, that's where I'm going. We're just grading his tigers tenure, right? Correct. Okay. D. It's fair. It's fair. <laughs> yeah. D. All right. Batting second for the Detroit Tigers, Austin Meadows. Got a couple of spicy ones to lead off here. You want to start with? Uh, yeah, I was gonna Austin say Meadows? let's let's alternate. Let's alternate. So I'll I'll do this one. Um. I mean, obviously, performance wise, right? It's it's tough to give him a good grade, but with some extenuating circumstances, it, it is understandable why he's had a rough year. It is important to remember how good of a first half of the half that he had. <laughs> like, <laughs> but he, he played a few games and he was, he was a really good player and, and really it's tough to remember those days. Um, I'll give him a C. I was going to go with the C minus. So we're, we're, we're right there. Uh, you know, he had a decent, decent little start to the year and obviously injuries derailed that and made it pretty, pretty tricky, you know, obviously with the mental health stuff and the injuries to both legs, just a tough year for him. I think he'll be back next year with, with a vengeance trying to prove some people wrong. So never really a whole lot to say about Austin uh, batting third. We've gone over him extensively tonight. Uh, our boy Javier Baez. What, Man, what a tale of two kind of two different players that we've seen. Really a really a tough mix. Um, I'm gonna give him a C plus from this year. Um, obviously, kind of a rough start and didn't uh, didn't give Tigers fans much to much to watch minus opening day for the first little bit of the year. But man, he's come alive lately and he's really he's really picked it up. I'm vacillating between a B minus and a B. And I'm going to tell you why I'm going to go with the B. And it's something we talked about a little bit. Obviously embracing the villain role. Obviously he's a fun player to watch. Uh, Like there's plenty of those things, right? But the fact that he is always giving a hundred percent effort on a team that again, could lose a hundred games this year. He's, he's a winner in my category, and you just need to put some players around him that can ensure that he's not the guy, but he is a central part of the organization. 
he he can't be the guy, right? We can't put we can't depend on him. But he is darn fun to watch, and he gives us all, and that's really all you can ask for. And yes, September September is helped, but I'm gonna go with a solid B. Uh, batting fourth, cleanup for the opening day Detroit Tigers. Jamer Candelario. Where are we? Where are we at? Oh man, I love candy. <laughs> I I really love candy. Um, shoot. This was the one I thought was coming later. <laughs> I forgot he was batting cleanup on day one. Oh man, it's like looking at the. Uh, uh, the 2020 lineup and comparing it to the 2021 lineup or whatever, like when Willie oh, 2019 was... when Brandon Dixon, his... or something. Brandon Dixon led the team yeah. home runs. That's yeah. the one. But did he start the year with the team though? Yeah, he yeah. Did gosh the whole year. <laughs> um, it's okay. This is gonna be tough to qualify, but I'm gonna go C minus. And the only reason I'm going higher than uh, than Grossman is because I don't think Grossman handled the leaving the Tigers situation very well. But that has nothing to do with his play on the team. I'm just I'm a little biased. I just I, I I think some of that whole thing with the whatever it is what it is. But I I just. He's a better player than what he gave us this year, and that much is, and I think a lot of it has to do with him. And and yes, the Tigers organization is bad. Whatever they can't figure out how to make a swing better, I get it. But there is also some kind of thing where like something in your brain turns on when you realize, oh, oh, I have a shot in the playoffs. Like, it, like don't don't lie to me and tell me that that some effort wasn't already you weren't excited to go. And so whatever. But yes, Candelario C minus. Very confused how we went from Candy to Robbie Grossman there very quickly. I was, I just because I gave Robbie a D, and I feel like like I I, I have to feel like there's some people out there like well Robbie and Gro- like they're like Robbie and Candy is basically equivalents. They're both losers of a year. They, they both want to forget this year. Candelario's getting contribute. a D minus from me. <laughs> And and I have I have looked this up. This was one of the ones that I kind of highlighted uh, as as I'm gonna have to really defend my point here. He's hitting two eleven mm-hmm. this year. Mm-hmm. He's hitting two eleven. He's has mm-hmm. eighteen doubles after hitting forty two last year. Mm-hmm. I can understand some regression. This mm-hmm. is not regression. This is mm-hmm. this is a big giant F mm-hmm. on the on the offensive side. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's taken a step back defensively as well. Mm-hmm. He's had several very questionable-looking uh, moments. He's cut down his strikeout rate, which I think saves him a little bit. But after having an OPS plus of 121 last year, he's at a solid 81 right now. Mm-hmm. He's looked really bad. Really bad. His on-base percentage is almost 100 points different. Lower than last year. D minus. And it's, he's lucky it's not an F. Just one thing, just, just real, real quick. Remember this conversation when you grade Torque. Oh, I plan to. Trust me, I. <laughs> that's all. That's all. And and I get it. Like I, I think there is definitely an over, um, saturation of Candelario. I think we've probably seen the best of Candelario. We've definitely seen the worst of Candelario too, and it seems like now that he's kind of playing more interstitially because Kreidler's being really good defensively, not so great with the bat, whatever, but he's definitely being peppered in the lineup. Candelario is definitely being peppered in the lineup more. He's maximizing his chances more. And and that's what I'll say. Also, I just appreciate that he is a, he has been a steady hand throughout the entirety of his Tigers career. This year has been a down year. Yes, 1 million percent. But he has surprised us at every corner. I would not be surprised if he gets some kind of contract from Scott Harris some way, somehow, and comes back next year and, and is, is at least a replacement level player, if not somewhat producing player. Batting fifth, uh, the beloved Miguel Cabrera. I've given his year a B. 
for a almost 40 year old who gave us one of the more electric moments of the last three years. And I don't was... know if that's fair. I, he was going to do it. It's not like he wasn't going to get 13 hits. <laughs> like, okay. Like, well, we've seen the second half of the year, the injuries were a question and he had a borderline merit based all-star selection. He had a very good first half and he's been, you know, a glue guy for this team. I'm, I'm giving him a B and not not completely based on on field performance necessarily, but also based on, you know, what he means to this team and how he's handled, Mm -hmm. you know, everything when it comes to not getting regular plate appearances in the second half of the year. C plus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like, I love Miggy. I really do, but I, 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 and and I I can see a C plus. I can, I, I would, I would not argue with you if, no, no, and I mean, right, we're we're close. I, I think with Miggy comes a lot of baggage, and it's unfortunate because there's there's good baggage and there's bad baggage. And this year has been, uh, like you said, right, actually a very surprising year. It's just sad that like he was batting close to 300 and he has tanked <laughs> the second half. Yeah, injuries and all that good stuff. And now it does kind of we're coming back to the part where like okay, he's kind of taking up a roster spot again. Like you know where where are we at with that? So. It, First half wins him the plus in the C category for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But obviously, right, he gave us some fun moments. So credit where credit's due. Betting six, Jonathan Scope. This this is my F. (laughs) This this is my F. Now I'm going to have to press you on this one just a little bit. Mm Yeah, that's fair. I and maybe F is too hard. I what you're right. Maybe maybe it's like but but because you're right, recency bias, he's had a better September. He's had a better couple months. Like he he that home run was majestic. But it's just he's a disappointment. And that's where it really comes down. It's like if he he could have covered up a lot of the wrongs <laughs> of this year. And I feel like if he was good, Candy would be better. These younger guys wouldn't have had to put so much pressure. On making them produce, I, I, I just I'm I so. I didn't realize Scope was almost hitting in the 100s. Never mind. Oh well, yeah, no, I mean he's yeah we knew I, yeah okay yeah no he's bad. I mean like he he does have some strokes of brilliance and and he had like a double you know the a double and a home run and stuff. I just it it comes back to the. I remember the day that we signed him the extension. We were so excited. We thought this was the right move. And it just goes back to the point of like, man, that that young word of acquiring, developing, or retaining young talent, like it really means a lot of, of his Sky <laughs> Harris's three points. Because yeah, if we were maybe taking a little bit closer look, scope long term, it was not gonna work out. I definitely think a better hitting coach would have maximized this year um, and would have been able to speak into him and, and really figure out his struggles because we've seen it before where, where that can work last year. He did not have a good year and well, yes, same hitting coach, but different circumstance. I'm sticking strong with my F. That's fair. Uh, After looking some of his stats, I changed a D plus to a D Mm minus. I still feel like, you know, he didn't have a as as good of like I'm basing this off of a a looking at Jamer Candelario look because I feel like they have a very similar trajectory as a Tigers career wise, um, and and the year that Candy had compared to the year he's had or the year Candy had last year compared to Candy's year this year. And you look at the same two years for scope; it's much less of a regression uh, in, in scope than it is in Candelario. So, and shout out to his defense; he has had a really good defensive year. Yeah. Yep. All righty. Next up, Akil Badu. Now, Akil. <laughs> uh, rough year for Akil. A little bit of mm-hmm. the so- the old sophomore slump. Mm-hmm. Um, this is you know clearly different year for him he's not protected by the rule five rules and he's got to look at a bunch of different stuff when it comes to you know he not playing above 
high A until last year, and he got sent down, and deservedly so, and he pretty much played his way back to the to the team this year. Um, it's so hard for me because I love Akil. I I really like him. He's he's such a dynamic player for this team, but man, alive. I'm gonna give him a D minus again. Wow! Whoa! Wow! That's basically your F because <laughs> you're you're like so positive and like I I'm gonna be honest with you I like I don't think Badu being good or bad made or broke the 2022 Detroit Tigers and for that I'm willing to give him some kind of grace. I'm willing to give him a C minus. And that's just because, just because, just because he's shown over the last, it's not just this month. It's been the last couple months that he is willing to make some harder adjustments than he made before. Um, This, this was a lot worse of a situation than what he dealt with in, in 2021. He got sent down, like you mentioned, right? He was not an important part of this team. He had some injury concerns too. I don't think Badu will ever be what we want him to be again. And I think we just have to kind of be okay with that. I think he's going to be an awesome bench player who can once in a while change the trajectory of uh, a game, but he's never going to be like the the star that we want him to be. And, and really that we thought we were going to get when he hit his first home run off the first pitch he saw in the major leagues. He still has some maturation to go through and he, he still has a chance to become a really solid major league baseball player. So for that C minus. So you're saying he's had a better year than Robbie Grossman. hundred percent. Yes. Yep. I have zero problem saying that again, that's tiger's tenure. That is tiger's tenure. Okay. That being said, we do got sent down Mm -hmm. to triple a. Okay. Yeah. I, I, 100%. You're not going to send Robbie Grossman down. There's no opportunity to send you Robbie DFA Grossman him. down. Well, that's Which a different they story. They could have that's, done. That's a different story. You, you, they could have DFA'd Scope a billion times. They weren't going to do that. They, if they're not going to fire their hitting coach, Josh, they're not going to DFA their <laughs> players. Like, I'm just, I'm here to tell you that right now. They, they were Scope not. Scope has, has a multi year deal. Grossman is on an expiring contract. That's easily DFAable. My, my point is, they were in a very similar situation and I, I, I don't know. I, I obviously my D minus speaks to the, to the gross, my view of Grossman and, and Badu. but anyway, on to a spicier player, uh, Spencer Torkelson. <laughs> I'm very glad you're leading off on this one. I don't want to, <laughs> and I can lead off. I already have one. No. Type yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Um, our boy Torque. I feel like it's been rather. I feel like it's easy to say it's been a tale of two seasons for Torque, pre call up and post call up. But while he's had flashes post call up, there have been better swings, maybe even a couple better games, and he's upped his average a little bit. I still think. He had a bad year. Not to say he can't be better. I still think there's a good baseball player in Torque. But I really think this was a, an important year to show the Tigers brass that, and Tigers fans too, that he could deal with the pressure and deal with the weight of being a 1-1 pick and having a lot of pressure to be an important part of this, really the future of this ball club. Let's not Let's not understate it. All that being said, Torque gets a D this year. Mm. I'm going to keep it short and sweet here. I did some research for the uh, future uh, segment that we're going to do. Torque, even with his trip to the minors, even with his, you know, not getting as many bats. I went on fan drafts and I filtered out first baseman. I filtered out first baseman with a uh, minimum of 50 plate appearances. 
Spencer Torkelson is still in the bottom three when it comes to war, bottom three when it comes to any advanced statistic at the plate. When you call up Spencer Torkelson from the minors, what are you expected to get from him? You're expecting to get hitting, power, you know, gaps, homers, whatever, at least a semi-competent hitter. You don't call up Spencer Torkelson wanting a bottom three first baseman. And there's 80-some players on that list this year that have had at least 50 plate appearances and played first base in the majors. For a 1-1 pick, we had very, very high expectations for him. He dominated every single level that he played at in the minor leagues. You know, given some time and all of that, he dominated. Well, we may not have expected him to get you know, to dominate the majors necessarily, we expected him to look like a halfway decent baseball player. And he has been anything but that. Yes, he's had some flashes since he came back from AAA. He's looked like he's seen the ball better. But when you go back to AAA in July and you go to dark places to try to fix your swing, that's an F for me. Whoa! Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I want to listen to our first episode and hear how excited we were for Spencer Torkelson. He gets got a D and an F. Oh no. Uh, I, uh, it's hard for me because, like, I really like the kid. I really do. Like, I want to like the kid. He just is right now so hard to like. I love his defense. There's shout out again, like the scope situation. It's hard for us because it's not. It's not sexy. It's not what we wanted to do. It, you know, field ground balls, whatever, pick up Javi slack. <laughs> but none of this is none of this is any detriment to his future with the Tigers. None of this is right. my evaluation of the player he can be. I still think there is a fantastic power hitter in Spencer Torkelson that can play a really good first base. I do. I'm grading on his performance this year in 2022. Yeah, and it, right, and it's important to note that the stats we're looking at too would would grade out better. Like it's not just like oh we're looking at his average or oh we're looking at you know his his home run number. No, I mean like th- these not these what you're mentioning. He's in the lower third of all hitters in in any hitter that has enough plate appearances to actually qualify in these metrics that actually quantifiably make a good statistically good hitting player. And Torque is not in any of those categories. Zero. So, D, I'm surprised with your F, but that I think it's fair. I think it's worth it. Now, here's one that I am really, really curious. I have not made up my mind on my grade yet. Batting ninth, playing catcher, Tucker Barnhart. Man, what? Just... Kind of a confusing year. We knew we weren't going to get a whole lot of offensive production from Barnhart. And we had some major questions after the first week about, you know, pitch sequencing and his ability behind the dish. I think he answered some of those questions, uh, you know, answered some of those questions in the coming weeks. Clearly the pitching staff has done well. He's lost some of his starting time this year due to, you know, Eric Haas hitting pretty well, but I'm I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Tucker Barnhart a C. Um thinking about the hitter that he is, this these he's been this year and the hitter that he's been, I think that's you know a fair grading of his offensive abilities, and he's been a you know a decent catcher. So yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I'm gonna give him actually a, a, a little bit of a leg up and I'm gonna give him a C plus. Only because, and and I feel like because of the negative experience we had at the beginning of the year with his, you know, relation with the pitchers, young pitchers, maybe not pitch framing as well. I think he kind of gets lost in the sauce now, but credit where credit's due, the Tigers rotation, which I might add is a complete amalgamation of misfits at the moment, has had a really solid couple months. And you would not have thought any of these names would carry this team to a couple solid months, right? It is a pitching staff that is not good on paper. It is a pitching staff that has no right to 
be in the same category as any of the rest of the league. But somehow, some way, Chris Fetter, Magic Fairy Dust, something happened, right? I wonder how much of that has to do with Tucker Barnhart. I really do. And I mean, obviously, Haas has gotten a lot of playing time too, right? Because he's had a little bit more offensive power and or offensive prowess, period. Um, but I do wonder if if Tucker having a little bit more steady hand, a little bit more confidence with what he's doing and his job, I do wonder if that has had an effect. I like to believe so. And so therefore I, I'm gonna give him a C plus. The offense, right. Not good. He does he wasn't necessarily here for the offense, but it would have been nice to uh, you know, be able to swing the bat a couple times. Also, the the switch hitting experiment probably needs to go away. But whatever. <laughs> um, in essence of time, are you okay if we only do the lineup tonight and then we yeah. do pitchers and stuff? Because I know you have some pitchers prepared too, but just I we're running a little long on this one. So I figured it'd be a nice split right here and we can move that one off to the next week. Um, and maybe do like uh we, we gotta do like who's gonna win what award and whatever. And at some point we have to talk about the elephant in the room that is Aaron Judge and the possibility of him winning a triple crown, which makes me want to cry every time that that's brought up. But that is true. Aaron Judge could win a triple crown and it, it makes me sad because I feel like it minimizes what Miggy did, but we'll have time to talk about all of that probably next episode or episode following, maybe in the offseason, whatever it is. But Josh, we are sadly on the precipice of the Tigers final homestand. We are going to play the Kansas City Royals, who just smacked the the Mariners, <laughs> I may add, um, and the Minnesota Twins. What do you expect out of our boys this week? You know, all things considered, I think we're going to have we should have a pretty decent series versus KC. Um, Minnesota, you know, clearly not the year that they thought they were going to have. Uh, I believe they are eliminated from the central. Well, duh, because Cleveland clinched it. Um, I'm trying to see where they're at in the wild card. I don't think they have a chance. Oh, I mean, yeah. it would be kind of fun if we could play spoiler again. But if they if they lose their next game, I think they're eliminated from the wild card. So mm-hmm. pending, it looks like they're going to be out of the picture as well. So yeah, uh, I think we'll have a decent. Decent week, I would say probably around a three and three. Somehow, I think we'll probably win the series versus KC and then figure out a way to win one against Minnesota. Man, the next time we we talk, yeah, we're going to be the last series of the year. That it, is really sad. So sad. And like, I, I I'm excited for the off season. Like, I really am, and it's really good. I'm glad that this Scott Harris thing got done and able to put some ink to paper and and really get the season or the off season rather off to a good start. Um, but it's also sad because baseball is going away now. Still got some playoff baseball. We still have some some exciting, and you know, it, it's easier to watch other baseball when the Tigers are playing better. I don't know what what that is about me, but I, I tend to watch more baseball if the Tigers are playing better baseball. So now that the Tigers have played a few better series and whatever it is, I've been tuning into some other baseball games, and I, I think the playoffs are going to be super fun. And then obviously, right, we have this triple crown chase. With Aaron Judge and and you know who's going to win the Cy Young? Is Verlander going to come back and potentially win the Cy Young? I I don't know. Dylan Cease has some words for him, but um, I think hmm, I think three and three is safe, but I'm willing to say that we're going to go four and two. And should we go to Sunday's game? Feel like I feel like we should. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like there's just something in me. Where I'm like, man, did we go to enough Tigers games this year? Like we, I went to a lot of Tigers games. I went, I went to 12, a lot. 10 start time. Yeah, I don't know if that's gonna work for you, but I don't know. It's thought. It's thought. I'm. It, it's kind of sad. I don't really want the season to end, but here we are. And then we get to play Seattle and go all the way out west for that last season or that that last series because good old lockout. Love that. I guess the folks will have to find out uh, next week whether we right, yeah, whether we win or not. I don't know. It's just an idea that's kind of percolating. I don't know. Any final thoughts? Uh, no. I felt like a good, uh, good little therapy session from you know looking at the porous offense that we've had. And I don't uh, think we gave anyone above a B. Did we give anyone above a B? 
Uh, we each gave out one B. And yours was a B minus. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. Oh, no, it wasn't. Oh, okay. It was, it was a B to Mickey. Oh, that's right. It was, okay, yeah, that's right. I didn't forget about Mickey. <laughs> was my, my B was the hobby, right? Yeah. Yep. I like it. I like I feel it. like that's a fair. That's a yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's not terrible. Not terrible. All right, man. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you so much for joining me, Josh. And as always, go 